Thank you. You know, regarding Hannah, I will say this much. She did not lose her battle to COVID. She defeated COVID. Because despite the fact that her body is no longer functioning, she is still alive. And she's in the arms of her Savior. That no matter what strikes us, be it cancer, old age, or anything else, they don't beat you. You win through the power of Jesus Christ. So John chapter 8 is where we're going to be. And the title of this is Drop Your Rocks. Um, now, I may have hinted once in a while that I served in the United States Marine Corps. In fact, I've probably talked about my time in the Marine Corps more than my actual time in the Marine Corps at this point. And that's okay. Why do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Because all that time, there are stories to tell. And most of them are true. But there are also lessons in a lot of those stories. And sometimes those encounters you, you come to mind. Your own experiences, well, no matter what they are, you're able to share those in your life later on. Well, at the beginning of every morning, and sometimes just because somebody decided they wanted to do it, we would have what was called a FOD walk. Okay, what is FOD? Anybody know what that is? Right, foreign object damage, okay? This stuff, okay? We would line up. I got a picture. Have you got that? There it is. Now, I never served on a carrier, and I'm grateful for that. But we would line up similar to this along the flight line, and we'd walk along side by side, shoulder to shoulder, and we'd look for debris. It was also foreign object debris. When it hit the airplane or damaged the airplane, then it was foreign object damage. We just called it FOD. And we'd look down, and we'd say, whoop, there's something... And we'd pick it up, and we'd hold it. And we'd get to the end of the flight line, and everybody would be at the edge, and then somebody from Quality Assurance would come along with a bucket. And my last two years, I was in Quality Assurance, so I got the bucket. And at the end of the line, I'm picking up, and, and I'm collecting what everybody had put. And then I'm putting it in a bag and hanging it on the wall so that everybody can see what we prevented from damaging our aircraft. But every once in a while, there would be a couple of jokesters. Did you know that there are jokesters in the military? I'm serious. There's this one guy. His name was Kellenberger. Okay? I called him Kellen McBurger, as in, you know, McDonald's burger or whatever. But he was a sergeant like me. He was in the same shop as me, his ordinance. He was the one always playing the jokes. He put a, um, an air horn in his pickup truck. I'm riding my bike down the base one day, and he blares that thing blew me off the road. Well, he'd get to the end of the flight line, and he'd pick up a rock, and when I'd come by with a bucket, he'd go, the rock wasn't on the flight line. The rock was behind the flight line, but he was always tossing these rocks into the bucket, and I'd have to toss them back out onto the gravel. And finally, I would say, Kellenberger, drop the rock before I came up to him. Then he made warrant officer, and I'd say, warrant officer Kellenberger, drop the rock, sir. But he had to drop the rock because I couldn't put a host of rocks into a bag. Otherwise, the bag would just fall off the thing. But always having to drop the rock. So in the first part of chapter 8 of John, you find a very specific point of rocks. All right? Let's read along. Verse 1, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery. They made her uh, stand before the group 
and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis of accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone who is among you without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away, one at a time, the older ones first, only until Jesus was left with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. That to me is one of the most powerful passages of Scripture right there. Jesus had the ability, the authority, and the right to say, let's go. But I got a question for you. Okay? You need to be careful here. A lot of people can say, well, where was the dude? Good question. That's not my question for you. What were the Pharisees doing here with this Scripture? Okay? You have to be careful about taking God's holy word out of context. It is a sin just as much as adultery. Because what did they say? Go back to, go back to verse uh, 5. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. <clears throat> Wrong. Moses commanded that they both be stoned. Why was it in the law that Moses had, had commanded this? And oh, by the way, like Jesus, he was only doing what God had commanded him to write down. God wanted those to be stoned in such a way to purge evil from the camp. If you're only going to stone one of the perpetrators, and last time I checked, it still took two, then you haven't purged evil. The problem was they weren't trying to purge evil. They were trying to purge good. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When you go up against God in these respects, you're going to lose. So who was this woman? You know what, honestly, from, from, from in the context of this message, no one cares. The point is that Jesus had the right words to say at the right time. He had the words that changed hearts and minds. Proverbs 25.11 says, Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a ruling rightly given. If you say the right words at the right time to the right people in the right context, it's going to be that appealing. You guys like, anybody like apples? You know, nice, golden, delicious apples, and you got a big silver tray brought in front of you of apples? Guess what you're going to do? It's time to nosh, don't you think? Okay? Because it's, it draws you in. And that's what a word fitly spoken will do in the right context to people. And it's more than just for this woman's sake to, that Jesus said this. Okay? So the first rock that we need to drop, okay, is the rock of sin. Take that rock of sin in your life, whatever that sin is, and walk away and be done with it. And as Jesus said, leave your life of sin. Okay? 
The Pharisees weren't dropping a rock as an instrument of trying to bring someone to justice. The Pharisees were dropping their sin because they had been taken. The next rock that we need to drop is what I call the rock of human standards, continuing down in verse eight, uh, of chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are, appearing as your own witness. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from and where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I'm not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who, test- I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. So how many of you guys remember Izod Lacoste? Or members only? I'm starting to show my age. Okay, I'll go a little more recent. How about uh, Versace or Saint Laurent? All right? Or how about MK or Vera Bradley? Or, or for, for young people, Nike or Reebok? Okay, yeah, all right. What are those, though? They're human standards, okay? You ever notice that people walk around with, with something that, that has somebody else's name on it? Well, I don't need anything with my name on. I know my name, okay? And I don't need to advertise for somebody else. So I, I wear kind of plain old stuff. Okay? I don't really care. My point here is, whether it's something you wear or whatever you do, you need to stop holding yourself to human standards. Why? One, you'll never measure up to other people's standards. And two, the rules always change. Otherwise, the, the, the battle would still be going on of IZOD or members only. Who wears... Who, who's the, do you young people know what members only is? You don't because the standards are changed, right? That's how that happens. The standards constantly change with the humans. Rather, what you need to do is hold yourself to God's standards. Now, is it possible in your own power to measure up to God's standards? Absolutely not. But, but one thing is God's standards don't change, and He gives you the strength to meet them. You see, you're made worthy through the redemption of the power of Jesus Christ. And Jesus even reiterated that in Matthew 11. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take the rock of human standards and drop it. It's time for us to continue to drop the rocks. Now I'm going to get a little preachy. It's time to drop the rocks of dispute. In John 8, 21, it starts out, Once more Jesus said to them, I'm going away 
and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Who are you, they asked. Just what I've been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. You notice how Jesus' message never changes? Through the dawn of time, Jesus' message has never changed. Love that. Jesus replied, I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy, and I have heard from him, I tell you, I tell the world. They did not understand what he was telling them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will think you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. And he has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many believed on him. Now, this question going back, who are you? It looks like he was starting to get through to some people. And that was a good thing. But the power of dispute can, can, can turn that convincing for some and suddenly, you know, because let's face it, okay, let me, let, me, let me get real here for just a minute. Have you ever noticed a new believer who starts up and says, oh, this is great, this is wonderful, and then somebody disputes and ruins everything that you've done and they fall away? Have you seen that? It's painful. And that's why we need to take the dispute out of our lives. You notice you only have one mouth but two ears. We need to consider listening more than speaking. Think about what Nicodemus did. Go back to chapter 3 and how Nicodemus was constantly curious, constantly asking, and eventually Nicodemus was starting to defend Jesus Christ in front of his own crowd, risking being ostracized, risking everything, in fact. It's time to listen. It's time to pay attention. It's time to take the rock of dispute and drop it. John 1.12 even says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You don't have to dispute with anybody about that. If you are a child of God, you are a child of God, and you can stand on it. And if somebody questions you on it, you just say, I am a child of the king. And you don't have to dispute it. You don't have to argue with them. You don't have to fight it. Take the rock of dispute. Oh, and by the way, take that rock of dispute among others and drop it as well. It's time to end the dispute. I'll give you another rock to drop. In fact, I got two more, though I dropped one a little early, so I'll pick another up. How about the rock of tradition and stubbornness? Anybody here stubborn? Anybody here deep and steeped in tradition? Okay, who puts their Christmas tree up the same time of year? Me. It's been a family tradition. The day after Thanksgiving, while everybody else is out doing whatever it is they're doing, I'm, I'm, the tree and the lights and the music, it's all, it's all going up. Tradition. Verse 31. To the Jews who had believed in Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. Not true. 
How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Abraham is our father, they answered. If you were Abraham's children, Jesus said, then you would do what Abraham did. Ooh. Ouch. (laughs) As it is, you are looking for a way to kill me. A man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. Abraham did not do such things. You are doing the works of your own father. Now, this is where the the, the, the dispute does come back in here, which we really have to guard against. We are not illegitimate children, they protested. The only father we have is God himself. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out with your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, here's what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Wow. That's turning it right back at them. But consider somebody, uh, anybody like musicals? Okay. Generally speaking, I can't stand them. Okay. There are a couple. Okay. One of them that I really love, takes forever to watch, but it's okay, is Fiddler on the Roof. Okay, Tevya, you gotta, you gotta love Tevya. But Tevya, as much as he held on to his traditions, he started realizing tradition wasn't the end. Okay, in fact, in the opening scene, when he's explaining traditions, how to work, how to eat, how to wear clothes, and finally he says, why do we have these traditions? I'll tell you. I don't know, but it's a tradition. We've got to let go of the tradition for the tradition's sake, okay? We've got to consider what the Word of God says, and if it disputes against our tradition, drop the rock of tradition, okay? Mark 7, verses 8 and 9, you have to let go of the commands of God, and are, or you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, this was Jesus speaking, you have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe your own tradition. Now, that had to do with breaking the Sabbath. I saw somebody breaking the Sabbath this morning. I won't name any names. I won't say what she was doing, but she was out there washing the windows. (gasps) And I even warned her. I said, I've got rocks today. But I'm not going to break the tradition or I'm not going to keep the tradition of throwing a rock at somebody who's washing a window on a Sunday because what is she doing? She's trying to make God's house look nice for God's people who are coming in to spend God's day in the presence of God. Consider the lack of love 
between and among believers. If God were your father, you would love me, Jesus said. Well, if God is someone else's father and they dress differently than, we, than you do or they act differently than you do or they go to a different church than you do or they drive a different car than you do, okay? I, I, I'm outnumbered in my family right now. I've got three Hondas. I drive a Nissan Frontier, okay? But you know what? If other people do something differently than you do, but they say, I love Jesus Christ, that's all there is to it. Forget your traditions. John 13, I'm getting ahead of myself in in the upcoming sermons here. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So forget the traditions of denomination. Forget the traditions of the way people dress. Okay, Brian, where's jeans? When I'm up here behind this podium, I'm going to dress a little bit more better, okay? Why? Because that's what I do. Am I any better than Brian? No. But you know what? He's my brother. He's my preacher. I submit to his authority. So I take the rock of tradition, and I drop it. There's one more rock I want to talk about. And this is where I think it's going to hurt the most for all of us. It's the rock of of hate. Hear me out. Verse 48, the Jews answered him, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor the Father and you dishonor me. I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it and he is the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this, they exclaimed, now we know that you're demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets. And yet you say, whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim is your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you. But if I do, or, but I do know him and I obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. You are not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Now, we have the benefit of hindsight, okay? If somebody came in here saying, I am the Son of God right now, we would declare that person a nut, would we not? Okay? So don't judge the Pharisees too much without looking at how you would be in that particular context. But I want to also be mindful of something. Be careful about how you determine whether somebody is worthy of life or death. Yes, false prophets. Be careful of false prophets, but be careful of the false prophet that might crop up in your own self. Be careful of what might have in the traditions of yesteryear that you've had to reject over and over from, the, from after your time of conversion of the things that just somehow tend to take over. Be careful of that. 1 Samuel 16, 7, going back to when G, uh, Jesse was presenting his sons to Samuel 
to anoint the next king. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I want to tell you a little story. This actually happened. I have a witness, one of my own sons. There was a time I was working part-time at Zaxby's. Anybody like Zaxby's? That's good chicken. It's not God's chicken, okay? But, but at least they're open on Sundays. Yeah, they got a great salad, okay? They got great sandwiches. They got, it's chicken, okay? But late one evening, my son and I are in the back, and we're cleaning up, and we're, we're making meals, and we're doing other, our thing, and, and this sweet young lady walks, or not young, not young at heart lady, walks up and says, hi, can I, can I get one of you to serve me? I don't, I don't need this guy here. Sorry, ma'am, but we, we, don't have, we don't have access to the front counter. We're not supposed to. We, we can't do it. Oh, but I, 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 you're, you're a Christian, aren't you? Yes, ma'am, we are. Well, I need a Christian to help me. Okay, well, what, what, why is that? Well, he can't possibly be a Christian because he's black. She actually said that. How can you think that? is what I would say. Well, so, the young black man, who's a friend of mine, and a Christian, by the way, he says, okay, let me go get my manager. Out comes the manager. He's black. He's black as that wall back there. And he's big, and he's intimidating. And he comes out here and says, I'm a Christian too. You're going to say I'm not a Christian? Get out of my store. And he kicked her out. Wouldn't serve her. It's true. It happened. How many of you, though, based on somebody's outward appearance, would say, that can't possibly be a Christian? There are times I do that, okay? I'll admit. Outward appearances mean nothing to God. It's what's in the heart. The same should hold true for us. Do you love the Lord? If somebody says, yes, I do, then encourage them to help you walk in the way. That's what you do. Don't start picking them apart. Okay? What did, in fact, what did Jesus say about that? You judge. You're going to be judged based on how you judge. Don't try to pull the speck out of somebody's eye when you've got a plank in your own. So you have to take the rock of hate and drop it for good. And what did the, what did the Pharisees do after they dropped their rocks? They walked away. Don't go back to your rocks once you've dropped them. Whatever your rock is, you drop it in this bucket and walk away. It is vital to grow in the faith and to grow in the cause of Christ to take whatever your rock is, drop it, and walk away. And so that's what I want everybody to do. In a moment after I pray, I want everybody to come up, take a rock from the floor here, name it. You don't have to say anything. You know what your name is for your rock. Not Josephine, not Timothy, but what is that rock? Is that rock hate? Is that rock sin? Is that rock dispute? Is it tradition? Whatever it is, name that rock. Pray that God will give you the strength, drop it, and walk away. Stand with me. 
Father, we pray that the rocks that are in our lives will be dropped for good and that we ourselves will fall upon the rock of ages cleft for me that we may hide ourselves in thee. And we ask you to give us the strength and the power and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, come on up at your leisure, at your time.